Hello everyone! Welcome back to the Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host, I am Masa. Hi everybody, and I'm Sean. We hope that you will cuddle up with your animal companions and ready for this exciting episode. Before we start today, I would like to make a few announcements. The first one was that Sean was featured on Animal Training Academy podcast. Ryan Cartledge, the host of the podcast, asked a series of critical questions that revealed Sean's journey of how he listened to the animals to develop the procedure of construction affection. And Sean intertwined and explained the construction approach with fun stories of a wide variety of animals. We will put the link to this podcast episode on our show notes, so please enjoy it. And for today's episode, the original content that we had planned to bring to you had been postponed. And this also brings me to our second announcement. We rescued our new puppy, Chew, from our local city animal shelter. And no, that's not like Chew as in chewing our furniture. This is C-H-U-U, Chew, which means kiss in Japanese. Our past week, welcoming Chu into our home gave us lots of new ideas to discuss with you. And this led us to create this episode for you all. So let's begin. That's right. As uh, Masa just told you guys, um, you know, we brought home a new family member. We have a new puppy in the house. And over this last week of bringing, um, bringing Chu home, um, Moss and I kept having experiences through this whole thing that we both really wanted to share with you guys. We kept having these moments where we would look at each other and say, wow, we got we to gotta tell everybody on the podcast about this. And so we decided to go ahead and postpone our previous material to uh, give you guys this episode. And I kind of want to start with, you know, when we first met Chu. And when we did, um, and, and we actually, you know, put our names on the adoption list, we found out that Chu was actually already, you know, there were already, I think at this point, I think like maybe five or six we other families. Six, yeah. Yeah, five other families that were already signed up saying that they wanted to adopt Chu. And this is because um, it's probably not anything that's specific to our area, but right now there's a high demand for, for you know, animal companions. And so there's more people looking to adopt dogs than there are dogs in shelters in, in many circumstances. And, uh, and so at this animal shelter, the way that they deal with this problem is when there's a dog that's um, coming up for adoption when the timeline's coming ready for them, they will have a lottery where they will allow up to 10 families to put their names down and enter a drawing where they'll take just one of the names out essentially from a from a box and that person gets to adopt the dog. And um you know Chu by the time we came for for his lottery there were 10 families total including us that wanted to adopt Chu. And looking back reflecting on our very first moment meeting, you know Chu and hanging out with him, it 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 doesn't seem like a surprise that that happened at all. And um, Masa, would you like to share how that experience went? Yeah, it was amazing. I was working really early in the morning. I was really ready to meet him. And when I find myself with two outside, he calmly approached me. And when he came to me, he sat 
And he constantly looked at me. And when I put my knees down, he turned around and then get so close to my face and he start licking my mask. And he was so gentle and so affectionate. And at that moment, I was like, I would like to live with this little puppy. Did you feel that way, Sean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and when I was watching him cuddle you, it, it was really sweet. He, yeah. It was all, it was extremely calm. And, and for a, you know, an eight month old puppy, and that's how old Chew is. Um, I, I, I can't, it's hard to imagine a puppy that young behaving that calmly. And the way that he licked, I remember you were kneeling down on the ground. Uh-huh. And when Chew came up, he kind of curled up into you and sat down to where his back was pressed up against your chest. Mm-hmm. He was in my arm, open arm. <laughs> and I felt his his little but really warm temperature. <laughs> and, and I remember he like looked up at you where he was looking uh-huh. at you kind of like upside down for him because his head was like rolling backwards like off of his body essentially (laughs) and he just gave you those sweet little licks on your mask because Uh we were at the animal shelter we were wearing our masks um yeah and and he just you know licked that little cloth mask that you were wearing and 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 you know it it even melted me just sitting there watching Uh it like I, i thought that was extremely sweet and, and like, you know, I'd mentioned earlier, it, it's no wonder a lot of other families, you know, wanted to adopt him too. What was it that you said to me right when we walked away? What did I say? I, I want, I, I want to live with the puppy. <laughs> I think I was just so excited that I think I was like shouting and then lots of people are looking at us and I, I was just, and this is my first time rescuing a dog from a shelter. I rescued my horse Jackson from um, a previous owner, but the previous previous owner died, and then he came from Kilpen. I rescued a, a horse, but not a dog, and I was just so excited with the process of meeting him, putting the name in our you know lottery waiting list, and then waiting for that day. You know, when when we were walking away, one of the things that you had said to me that that was really impactful to me was. You said you were making the point that that behavior was exactly, you know, what people want to see when they come to an animal shelter looking for a new companion, because that's exactly how I felt when I was, you know, making these procedures with Chase when we were at the animal shelter. We always felt like, you know, that type of a behavior, a calm approach followed by a sitting and laying down next to you was really an ideal thing to do. And, um, as a matter of fact, Moss and I, you know, you and I, we had a client earlier this afternoon that we met with Mm -hmm. remotely to do some private consulting with. And when we were asking them what they would like their dogs to do, they were actually describing this. They said that they would just really like the dog to calmly approach and sit people and sit in front of people to ask for affection. They mentioned that they had a daughter that, you know, has a friend that comes over and is a little bit scared of dogs. And that if they could get their dogs to approach her and sit and lay down next to her in this manner, that they felt like, you know, that that maybe this girl might be able to get over her fear of dogs and start having some good experiences with, you know, their two dogs. Yeah, because right now how the dog greet the people coming to the door is jump and then they may nip. And then, of course, the person who already have some fear in dogs will escalate that fear if the dog keep jumping on you. So, yeah, I I really felt sitting, uh, calmly approaching, sitting and laying down is the behavior that we have to train with affection. Mm -hmm. 
So we had to wait um, one day, I think, um, before uh-huh. uh, before the lottery came or, or the drawing, you know, for the for Chu. And he didn't have a name at this point. That's why I was just, you know, wondering what I should call him. But you guys already know him as Chu. So uh, we had to wait that day. And when we got there, we had already, you know, so much anticipation had built up at this point. We we were just talking for that entire day that we were waiting about how wonderful, you know, that interaction was and how great it would be to bring this guy home. And, and you know, I don't even think that I slept that night. You know, I was so excited, you know, thinking about the possibility of, you know, bringing home this little puppy. And, um, but we, we had spent some time even before this day, but especially when we were really thinking it might happen about what the puppy's life was going to be like, um, you know, living with us. And, um, you know, we had made sure that we were thinking about, you know, what kind of food are we going to give them? You know, are we going to make sure that we're walking them with pee? What are we going to do to make sure that they get along? And um, what we kind of wanted the puppy to, to look like when he was in the house. But we didn't maybe think about it, you know, as maybe as carefully as perhaps that we should have. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I'll get to that in just a moment. So we come up to the shelter and we got there 45 minutes, you know, before the lottery happened. And um, when we got there, we, we went ahead and we spent some time, you know, looking at Chu and kind of talking to him and... And, and it got a little, a little, I'm going to say I got a little anxious because like <laughs> other people started coming in Yeah. <laughs> and like 10 minutes after we were there. And I think we got there pretty early, you know, like maybe 10 minutes after, maybe not even that long, other groups started coming in to look at Chu and they all obviously loved him. They were talking, you know, real sweet to him through the bars of his enclosure and you know, you could see that these people really cared about this puppy. And um, we're standing outside next and waiting for the drawing to start. And a whole bunch of people came up. And, and there was more than 10, which is the funny thing. You and I were counting. We're like, there's way more people here than there should yeah, be. What, yeah. There's no way we're going to get this. And we were deflated. Um, and then they came out and they even said, number two. And, and we thought we were number one. Yeah, because <laughs> right? we got there first. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and our hearts sank. Um, we were even just looking at each other like, okay, let's go home. You know, we yeah. were really, really, really bummed. Yeah. And then they were like, okay, so now it's the drawing for this other dog and, um, <laughs> and for the puppy. And they said, why don't everybody come up and grab a ticket? And so I came up and I grabbed a ticket. Mine was uh, 311390. And um, all of it, everyone's tickets started with 311 that were here. And so they said they were only going to announce the last three numbers. And she immediately says 390. And I still, you know, I'm in shock about this right now as I'm talking to you guys about it. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Moss is screaming and shouting and <laughs> jumping on my back. And I'm just like looking at the tickets still, trying to make sure this is, this is real life. <laughs> but for me, you look like, yes, I got it. Like you were, raising, you were lifting your hand with the ticket really, really high. And then we were at the back because we were really disappointed. No, we, so I was so excited. Everybody was like looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was crazy. And yeah. it's, it feels like a dream, you know. And, and mm-hmm. so we ended up being able to come home with this sweet, amazing little puppy. Um, 
But, you know, as, as most people out there might know who've, you know, perhaps adopted a dog before, or, you know, maybe if you volunteer at an animal shelter or work in one out there, um, you know, not always how the dog behaves inside the shelter, not always is that a great measure of, of what you're going to get when yeah, you come home. Um, one of the reasons why I objected to actually bringing peepers up to the shelter to meet the puppy first was, um, you know, Peepers came from a shelter and he really didn't enjoy his shelter time. Um, it took us a while, as, as I've talked about on this show, to get Peepers comfortable with people. And uh, I, I was worried that if we brought him to the shelter, how it might make him feel. And I also was pretty certain that at this point, with him being a little bit older, being around that many dogs barking and jumping, that it would probably make him more, you know, more sensitive than he is in, in his typical, you know, at home situation. And, and so not always that dog that you see at the shelter is the dog that you're going to get when you come home. And, and that's definitely the surprise that we were in for. Yeah. So when we brought Chew home, the first thing that I noticed was that Peepers was not super, super happy about this change. Um, Chew was nipping Peeper's mouth, which is the sensitive area for pee. And there are we are we live in the apartment, so there are lots of noises coming out everywhere. And he was get a little bit barky. And also when we are cleaning the house with a vacuum cleaner, he would get really excited and then bark and then chase. So these are all the situations that we think that the puppy needs help and how to handle himself in these situations. That's right. And Chu did need help, you know, and, and he's a puppy. You know, puppies aren't born, you know, knowing how, you know, we want them to behave in these crazy types of situations, mm -hmm. um, especially these new noisy situations that he's never, never been around. And, um, you know, so, you know, being the, you know, he's a puppy, you know, even with a, a big dog, you know, I shouldn't say, you know, since he's a puppy, we didn't want to punish him or yell at him or isolate him or, you know, leash him down to the furniture or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, we, you know, because, you know, these are living animals, you know, is really the main reason why I don't like to do these types of approaches, you know, to help teach them something. And oftentimes when we take that kind of an approach, it, it, it also doesn't really ever teach the animal what to do. You know, if our solution to, to him nipping peepers was to leash him down to the furniture and restrain him or, or put him into a kennel when he does these things, it doesn't ever teach him what to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and what we would rather have in the situation is, is our dog being able to be a dog and enjoy himself, but, you know, to not let things, not let his excitement get the better of him and end up, you know, biting his friends that he's wanting to play with it. It's like having a kid that plays too rough with his friends and, you know, they're, they're, his friends are complaining to their parents and their parents are calling you because, you know, Billy's playing too rough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so in these moments, um, you know, we, we had a big benefit. And, and I say that we had this benefit. I, I would argue that every dog, even the worst behaved dog in the world out there, gives you these little openings. But we were particularly, I think, lucky in this in, in the aspect that our dog did this quite a bit already. Um, Chu does a lot of laying down, hanging out, behaving the way that we want. Um, yeah. He gives it to us plenty. 
just like now with my, my with my feet, he's laying down yeah, really calmly, keep, keeping you and so keeping warm, your to- toes warm. Yeah, and um, you know, Chu is a really well-behaved dog. You know, he has these moments where it's like you know someone turns on the light switch and he goes bananas. But he gave us a lot of these calm moments, and that gave us the opportunity to really, really, really jump on those things and and give him lots of attention and love for it. And um, it also kind of set us up, and, and this is also what I like to, you know, talk about. I've mentioned earlier the the philosophy of the constructional approach. We have not done like a explicit training session with our puppy yet, but he's already doing really, really well. And it's because of just the way that we live with him using the philosophy of the constructional approach. And um, so being that he's lying down and being calm a lot, you know, we're we're focusing on those moments, you know, like Masa was just, you know, pointing out to everybody out there that he's being calm and laying on her feet right when she was saying that, you know, she immediately bent down just a second ago and started loving him up. And it's those kinds of things that we're that we're talking about, you know, you want to take a moment out of your day when they're being calm and go ahead and give them some of that attention in those moments. Um, there's a saying that, that I really hate out there called, uh, let sleeping dogs lie. And, and I, I say, no, you got to do the exact opposite of that. You know, you need to go love up the sleeping dog, you know, go join them, you know, hop on the floor with them and Oh, you're a good boy, good girl. Look at you taking such a good nap and love them up and, you know, let them know that these are the things that we love when we're inside. When we're inside the house, we want to be having these types of interactions. Um, when we're when we're outside or when we're out playing is when we want them to be rambunctious and be free to bark and jump and, you know, chase things and tear things up. But inside the house is where we want to be hanging out, be calm, be enjoying ourselves. And so we wanted to make sure that we were teaching Chu this. And so our first step was to focus on these really good moments. That's right. That's how we did those preventative strategy to teach him what behavior that we want him to do in the house. But there are some moments that we see him already engaging in problem behavior, uh, such as when you are cleaning with the vacuum or the our neighborhood is making noise outside our house. How, can you tell our audience how we deal with it, those situations? Yeah. So, you know, he, you know, what, what, what I was just describing, you know, with making sure that we're giving lots of affection during these good moments, um, you know, that, that is like a preemptive, you know, approach to avoiding any kind of problem behavior by making sure that we're giving lots and lots of affection and attention in these moments where he's being really good. It, um, it sets that up to happen more often. But like you're saying, when I would be vacuuming or like uh, we had a neighbor that was moving out recently. Yeah, yeah. And when that was happening, you know, they're like pulling stuff down the stairs. We're yeah. making lots of noise and mm-hmm. it got Chu really upset. And even uh, we live, um, our apartment is actually really close to the pool. And Chu would stand there in the window and, you know, yeah. bark at, you know, everyone. The people in the pool. <laughs> and, and so we had these moments where, you know, we needed to, to do something and teach him how to behave. And like you're saying, they were already there and already a problem. And so, um, 
you know, we, we kind of go about these moments um, where we try and, and, and stop the bad behavior, so to say. And, and so, for example, um, I'll use the neighbors making noise. You can't really go out in the hallway or radio to your neighbors and say, okay, start making noise, please. <laughs> stop making noise. You, you can't control them. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, Chu, when he would start barking already, I, I went ahead and, and, I, and I don't recommend making a habit of doing this to stop the barking, but because it's a problem that one time, go ahead and, and, and give them attention to stop the barking right there. You can divert their attention. But after that moment, you have to be very, very, very preemptive in making sure that it doesn't happen. So I knew the neighbor was going to be making noise. And so what I ended up doing is, you know, I pet him and I took my hand off. And as soon as they started making noise and I saw his ears perk up, I went ahead and got to him and put my hand on him and started loving him up and telling him he was a good boy. I was basically reinforcing him being alert, but not necessarily, um, you know, barking and, and, you know, jumping on the door and, and kind of getting, you know, a little bit out of hand like he was before. And so I, I could jump, I could get there a little bit earlier and earlier to where, you know, he's just getting up and getting alert. And I would say, good boy, and rub him on the head and eventually get to the point where they would make noise and he would just kind of look like, you know, kind of orient in this, in the direction of the mm-hmm. noise and way to go, buddy, and rub him on the head and so we took it down from that moment where you hear noise and to, you know, he hears the noise and and then he hears the noise. And he just looks. And that's cool. That's all we want. You know, you can be curious and, you know, listen for it. We just you know don't want the, the, the barking. You know, that'll get us, you know, evicted from our apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it was the same approach that we took with the with the people swimming in the pool. You know, he would look out there and, and kind of, you know, start barking. I would kind of wait for a moment where the barking wasn't super intense, go over and, you know, pet him. And then I would take my hands off and he would kind of be there looking at it and, you know, pet him again. And it gets to be shorter and shorter, you know, these instances of teaching him what, what you really want. And you did it for us when I was vacuuming. Mm-hmm. And it was the same exact thing. I would turn the vacuum on and it wasn't the noise of the vacuum cleaner we found out when we were doing this. It's actually the back and forward motion. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he like sees that and he just wants to, you know, destroy that vacuum. Yeah. Really chasing after that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, I would turn it on and I would start to move it forward and he would be looking at it like he really didn't like it. And Masa would go ahead and start petting him a little bit. He would relax. She would pet him. And then I'd move the vacuum a little bit more and he would be cool and she would keep petting him. And before you know it, I could turn on the vacuum and go running through the house vacuuming and he would just kind of go find Masa and sit next to her and look for some loving. And so you can turn these moments where you have the barking, like people swimming in the pool that's close by you, people making noise that live nearby you, or, or when you're running the vacuum cleaner, things like that, that can seem to bring about a lot of barking and bad behavior. And you can turn those into like cues to go seek affection, you know, from their human. Mm-hmm. And that's successfully what we did. You know, now when these things happen, she just kind of comes and hangs out next to us right. and right. is kind of looking for, you know, a good boy and a little rub on the tummy. And right. it really makes a, a wonderful new situation out of what used to be a problem. Yeah. So 
I, we know that being that there, if there are noises, he will get alert. And then if we let that go, he may escalate the barking and he may start running around the house. Yeah. So what I start doing, you know, if we are doing anything in the kitchen, there's going to be lots of noises that he's uh, unfamiliar with. So I go ahead and program for that. So when I am making a bowl um, that we eat mm. and the, the smoothie, the smoothie, how do you call it? The, the blender. The blender that we have makes so much noise. Mm. And then the coffee grinder I have <laughs> makes so much noise. And so I went ahead and whenever I'm in the kitchen, uh, peepers and chew comes and then see me do stuff in the kitchen. So I'm, when I'm using those things that I know that it's going to make noise, I will control it to the point that I'm going to turn it on for a little bit and then turn it off and then go ahead and give him affection. And then he keeps, he was really comfortable after those vacuum session and yeah. noise outside. So, so that, that calm behavior will kind of extend and transfer to different, different setting. And, and what Masa is really highlighting here for everybody that's listening is what we are actually doing is just programming a big affection loop. We talked on our episode about constructional affection, about the interaction guidelines and the affection loop. <clears throat> and when we're just teaching Chu how to behave in the house, we're, we're actually doing the interaction guidelines. And we're following those as long as all four feet are on the ground, one hand sitting and laying down, two hands, lots of affection. But when we move from that conjugate reinforcement where as the dog gets calmer, we're giving them more affection as they're getting, you know, less calm, less affection. We, once when we have them being really, really calm, we move to episodic reinforcement where it's on for a period of time and off for a period of time. And so you're moving to the kitchen, getting them calm and starting your affection loop where you're petting them for a second or two. And then moving over to the blender, hitting the button, turning it off and going back to them and petting them as long as they're staying calm, staying, you know, relaxed and, you know, mm -hmm. behaving in the way that you would like. And so it's just a big affection loop that we're putting in here, sitting there being calm while the blender goes on, sitting there being calm while the vacuum goes on, while people are making noise outside. It's just big affection loops, really, that we're making. So the last thing that, you know, I really want to share with everybody is the point that we brought up earlier that Chu was kind of having a little bit of problems with peepers and, and vice versa. Peepers really just kind of didn't seem super pumped up about having Chu around. Uh, he, you know, you could almost see it on peepers face when we came through the door. It was so deflating. Like mm -hmm. when he saw Chu, it was, he just looked at us like, what did you guys do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He was very just displeased with that. Um, yeah, I think Peepers might have been, you know, super excited about the way he had things. And, mm -hmm. and I think he might have felt like it, it was the end of, you know, his wonderful, his wonderful world, you know, to be bringing in this dog. And, and that was a big concern, Masa, that you even brought up, you know, right when we brought him home. Mm -hmm. You said that you didn't. You didn't want peepers, you know, to feel like, you know, mm -hmm. his, his spot in the family had been moved at all. Yeah. Um, you didn't want peepers to, to feel left out or, or ignored or, or any less than what he was before by bringing in this new dog. And we had both committed when we were, when you brought up that point that we wanted to make sure that peepers 
got all of the same affection that he did before, but in fact, having the puppy around just gave him more affection and more opportunities for attention. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I just said, there, there seemed to be some problems on both ends. You know, with Chu, he got way, way, way too, even if there was a nice, calm interaction between Chu and Peepers, Chu would get his own self, like, so worked up in the situation and in the moment that he would start biting on something of Peepers. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And Peepers, you know, he tolerates it to, to a point, but he'll get upset sometimes and he'll bark at them and, you know, kind of tell them no. Mm-hmm. And... um and you and I really didn't like the fact that Peepers was getting that worked up to where he was, you know, getting that upset with the puppy. Yep. And um, we definitely didn't want that to escalate into a potential bite. And we definitely didn't want the puppy to think that that's the way that we interact, you know, with our big older brother Peepers. Mm-hmm. And so the big part of this strategy to help the situation was actually the application of the philosophy of constructional affection, where we were taking these moments, like I mentioned, when there were noise and other problems, and making sure to teach the puppy how to be calm in them. And I've mentioned in previous episodes about the ripple effect that you see with constructional affection. I mentioned it's like dropping a pebble in the pond that causes ripples. And so at first, you might have your dog sitting there being calm with you getting affection, but then they might try it sitting with you in the bedroom. Then they might try sitting with you outside after you've gone for a walk. And you'll see them try this behavior in other spots and with other people to where eventually you see this calm response happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so as we started to make sure that we were focusing on this with the puppy, over a matter of days, we saw his own interactions with peepers getting calmer and calmer and calmer. That was really surprising change. Yeah, it was. It went from peepers completely ignoring the puppy to, you know, they would sleep within a foot or two of each other. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then they might sleep butt to butt. And then we catch them every now and then sleeping, looking at each other. And then they started hanging out with each other. And then just the other day, we went to go play tennis together. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Tell them about what <laughs> happened, John. <laughs> and so Peepers and Chu were chasing around the tennis ball together, dicing in and out and having fun and looking at each other and smiling. And it was great. Mm-hmm. And Peepers is really at this point seeming to like really take to the role of being Chu's older brother. He taught him how to walk up the stairs when Chu was scared because you can see through the stairs. So I think the puppy was getting scared. Yeah, I think so. He's like, how did I end up so high? Yeah, (laughs) and you had to carry. That's right. I was having to carry him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so Peepers, you know, taught him how to do that. Peepers taught him how to behave around the food bowls and Chu's great around food. And you can see a lot of the behavior that P does Chu is watching and learning right. he, even on the walks like he's watching everything that peepers does and mimicking it and it's really heartwarming to see this relationship form from being one where peepers was not so happy and not so excited to where they're both loving each other the little brothers looking towards the older one and and you can see them really bonding now and becoming you know good buddies This marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy listening how we welcome Chu into our family. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. 
And feel free to get more information or reach out to us on Facebook, Constructional Approach to Animal Welfare and Training. Or email us at caawtcontact at gmail.com. And feel free to reach out to those places if you are interested in joining one of our group classes or private lessons that we are now offering remotely. Our next episode will be on another constructional program designed to help animals showing fearful and aggressive behaviors to become friendly. This program is called Constructional Aggression Treatment, and we look forward to sharing it all with you. Thank you so much today. We are your host. I am Masa. And I am Sean. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companions. <laughs>